Aloha, this is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing Frank Barberi and Aris Quinones, writers and co-creators of Astonishing Times. It is an exclusive digital five-part comic series from Varying Comics and Comicsology Originals. Now, issue one comes out on July 27th. It is a it is 34 pages for $2.99. Now, before we begin the interview, I'm just going to give brief history of Frank and Aris. So Frank, as everyone knows, is a comic book, is a comic book writer. Um, he's been in business for a long time. He's, wrote, he's written many comics for um, various publishers. Um, I'm going to name a few. The Revisionist from Aftershock Comics, um, Black Market, um, Broken World from Boom Studios, Solar, Man of the Atom from Dynamite, um, New Avengers, Avengers World, Howling Commandos of S.H.I.E.L.D., Monster Squad for Marvel. And I love that. Frank, I love that one. Howling Commandos. Oh, thank you Shield. so much. That was fun. That was a, that was a, that was a fun miniseries. Um, Lobo, Supergirl, Sinestro for DC. He's written for Vertical Quarterly, SFX, Blackout for Dark Horse, Five Ghosts, and Violent Love from Image Comics that came out in 2020. And also too, um, Frank has also worked with other publishers around the world such as, and I'm gonna try to pronounce this French, French publisher's um, name as best I can, G Gillant Comics, is that correct? I think it's Glenat. Glenat? I, I, I cannot speak French nor do I pretend to, but I think I've heard someone say Glenat. Cause I think I said Glenat, like the <laughs> East Coaster I am once. Someone was like, no, it's Glenat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but but you but the main thing is that you've worked with different publishers around the world, not in just the U.S. And that that's really great. So. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean that makes me sound very busy. <laughs> but uh, I I did write full time uh, freelance for oh gosh, it was almost probably around seven or eight years. Uh, but yeah, I I was lucky enough to uh, break in that image with Five Ghosts back in. Uh, 2013. Mm -hmm. I had kind of just been, uh, she went to college to be an English teacher and got my master's in English yes. ed. And I always wanted to be a writer and was always writing, like taking writing classes and really just trying to learn how to break in. And after college, I happened to live, uh, I grew up in New Jersey and mm -hmm. I lived actually a town over from the Joe Cuber art school. Oh yes. And, and I had started like, kind of like messing around a little bit with with doing my own comics in college and just uh, finding artists online. But when I moved back home after college, I was like, oh wait, there's this school right over here. Like mm -hmm. I should look for students who go there. And I found uh, Chris Mooneyham, who was the artist and co-creator on Five Ghosts. And uh, we became friends and started talking. And after I was two years out of college, we just kept working and working and managed to stumble upon Five Ghosts. And, and once that got published, it was just like the floodgates open we were very thankful that it was very well received and just have been rolling from there. And uh, now I actually split my time. I, uh, about four years ago, I want to say, I started working in the video game industry as well. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I wrote a little bit on Destiny 2, but now I work uh, full-time at Airship Syndicate, which is a company actually founded by Joe Matarera. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I work directly with Joe, which is a huge thrill for me. It's so strange to just think of him as Joe now, as I grew up loving his art. Mm -hmm. And uh Again, uh, it's been a little bit since I've put a comic out, so I'm really excited to be bringing Astonishing Times out. It's my first book back, I think, in about two or so years, maybe more. And uh, again, could not be more excited 
to uh to bring it out but uh, yeah i i love comics i love working everywhere i like marvel i like dc i like indie books and it's just been a pleasure to to put whatever i can out and have an audience read it that's so cool frank thank you very much and then aris i'm going to go over your history you're the host and co-creator of the very successful variant comics um youtube channel that started in may 2012 you have now you can correct me if i'm wrong the -hmm. last i heard is that you it has two million subscribers and your subscribers you refer to them as um the variant nation yes um and you have about maybe six million plus monthly viewers is that correct yeah that's 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 our average okay and then you're rated number one by watchmojo.com back in may of 2017 and number 10 by cbr.com um in october of last year um you and your co-host and producer tim Connolly started the variant variant the podcast that started um on august 2019 also to eris um you're now um, in your, um, when I was doing some research, was that you're an actor on Revision Three? That's on Discovery Digital Network. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Revision Three. So Revision Three slash Discovery Digital. That's the original uh, online platform that picked up uh, Variant. Okay. So uh, I, have, I guess I've done act some little bit of acting in short films, but I guess that's just the internet making it sound cooler than it is. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it's but it's pretty awesome. It's like wow. It's like wow, man. You've done a well. You and Frank have done a lot, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I also want to touch on one thing, um, Aris, is that while doing some of the research, you know, um, I listened to um, one of your podcasts, and right. it's like, and I I've seen the um, the the um, one of the um, YouTube episodes um, promoting Astonishing Times, and what I really love about it is that your positivity. You know, it's it just, it's just your passion, your positivity, just literally overflowing, you know, um, through the episode, you know, it's very contagious. And, um, and I'll be, and, and I know this kind of sounds a little corny, but it, you know, the episode and even the podcast, it sounds pretty clean. Like, you know, like, you know, like young teens could be you know, like, watch it without any fear of like, you know, a swear word or, or, you know, how some of you know, how it can, some of these podcasts can be, you know, yeah. type. Yeah. So before I continue on, did I miss anything for you, mm. Frank, either you guys, did I miss any, did I miss covering anything or? For me, that's pretty much, uh, that's, that's the gist of it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Me, what about you, me, Frank? Me too. Like I said, <laughs> makes me sound busier than I am. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Now, um, before we, now, before we move on, I want to, Give a big shout out to Pamela Horvath. So Pamela, I'm sorry, I, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. Um, Pamela is a publicity director of Superfan Promotion. So Pamela, mahalo, thank you in Hawaii um, for arranging this interview. You know, do you guys wanna add anything to that? Uh, well, she's awesome. She's been handling a, a lot of our uh, PR and she's been great. Her and uh, all of Superfan and all those people over there, they're really great to work with. So. Uh, if anyone gets the chance, definitely uh, work with them. <laughs> yes, thank you so much to, to Pamela and Superfan. They've been incredible. Yes, so, you know, Pamela, thank you very much. Okay, so I'm going to start off. So either one of you guys, whoever wants to go first, where can listeners follow you guys on social media? 
Uh, I guess I'll lead off, Frank. Do you want to lead off? Yeah, please, yeah. <laughs> All right. uh, so for my personal account on Twitter is Eris underscore Quinones. You can follow mm-hmm. me on Twitter there. Uh, my Instagram is Eris Q. And then if you want to follow everything uh, Variant, it's uh, on Instagram, it's Variant underscore official. And on Twitter, it's Variant Comics. Those are the, we love Twitter and Instagram. We have uh, some TikToks. We have a TikTok account and stuff like that, but we don't, we're not as active on that. We're mm-hmm. uh, kind of OG with the, with the Instagram yeah. <laughs> and, and the Twitter. I really like those. And we have a Facebook as well. So Variant Comics on Facebook. Okay. And what about you, Frank? And uh, I do tend to use my Twitter pretty frequently to like announce stuff and, and sometimes <laughs> just be goofy and, and dive into stuff, talk to a lot of other people I know. It's uh, at Atlas Incognita, A-T-L-A-S-I-N-C-O-G-N-I-T-A, mm-hmm. which was my very original self-publishing brand way, way back in like 2008. And I wish it was just my name, not that, but there we go. then uh, i I, the same thing atlasincognita.com i tend to i haven't updated in a long time but it is a fancy website i made at some point (laughs) maybe i'll I'll get to it at this point um all right so where did you guys grow up Eris, if you want to just take stuff first for now that's totally fine we can keep that cadence as to not interrupt each other (laughs) all right uh, so I was uh, I was born in Long Island, New York, Brentwood to be exact, and I lived there until I was around four years old. My dad was a retired uh, New York police officer, NYPD. Um, mm-hmm. So he actually got injured uh, on the job. Uh, not, not he didn't get like shot or anything like that. He was actually he was in a squad car and uh, he got rammed uh, from behind by a, a, a truck and it threw out his back. So it, for, it forced him into early retirement. Um, so. Uh, from there, retiring, you know, me have, you know, having a four-year-old, he's like, I want to go to, I want to go to Florida. Let's go to Florida. Let's go to Disney World. So uh, <laughs> we moved to Florida, and then that's where I really grew up. So I grew up in uh, Margate slash Coral Springs, Florida. Uh, went to high school there. Uh, basically, I lived there till I was what, what, twenty-three. Got married there, and then after one year of being married, uh, moved to Texas. And I've been in Texas for coming up on ten years now. Dallas, Texas uh yeah 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 and uh that's that's kind of you know my childhood and stuff as far as like the, the comic background to that which i'm sure is what everyone's interested in mm-hmm. uh my dad was a big he, well i wouldn't say big fan he was he was like a kind of like a you know a more casual fan but he he loved like superheroes and stuff mm-hmm. like that and he was a collector at nature so like if he if he saw things that interest him he would like have to have all of it whether that be coins comic books mm-hmm. you know statues whatever it may be mm-hmm. Uh, but what really hit for me, what got me to comics, anyone who watches uh, Variant knows it was uh, Batman, the animated series and the 1989 uh, Tim Burton Batman film. Like, so I was born in 87. Mm-hmm. So I watched the 89 Batman film in syndication once, you know, it was on TV around like 93, 94, which is this, around the same time Batman, the animated series came out. And I was like, what is this awesomeness? This is the coolest thing ever. The Dark Knight, you know, and to this day, especially, you know, both those things. But definitely a Batman animated series for a lot of people, especially Batman fans is like this, the gold standard for Batman in general. Right. Yeah. Like, especially now that all of us, like, you know, eight, 10, 12 year olds are in their thirties. We're like, yeah, no, that is our Batman. That yeah. was the Batman from 92. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that from there, you know, that was kind of the golden age. I feel like of uh, Saturday morning superhero cartoons. Cause we also got like X-Men, the animated series, oh, Spider-Man, the animated series, the whole animated series, fantastic. Four. That's when all that stuff came out. 
in the early to mid nineties. And I was like, these cartoons are awesome, but you're telling me they come from comic books. Mm-hmm. I need to find the comic books. So that, you know, got me into comic books. My dad would do a lot of work and stuff at Barnes and Nobles back in the time. And, you know, they had like the masterworks back to the Marvel masterworks, the collections. And when they were very affordable, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so it's funny, even though like, you know, I say it all the time, but even though I'm a nineties kid, so technically like, my Green Lantern should be Jon Stewart. My Flash should be uh, Wally West. Yes. I grew up reading a lot of the back issues and like Omnibus and stuff like that. So I'm still like all about Barry Allen. I'm still all about Hal Jordan. Like those are like, I love Wally West and all that stuff. But, you know, I was introduced to the OG like Green Lantern and, and Flash and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So that that's what kind of got me into comic books from there. Because I'm like, oh, these comic books are awesome. And there's more of it. There's like an unlimited amount of it. <laughs> you know, there's, there's so much more. Yeah. Right? It's dropping every <laughs> month. You get new stories consistently. Uh, you know, like a lot of kids that helped me learn to read and make me want to read. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of skyrocketed from there. You know, I just always loved comic books, became a good fan. And then flash forward all the way up to, I guess, the, the creation of Variant. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother-in-law had a very successful... Uh, DIY filmmaking channel uh, called Film Riot, which is still one of the biggest uh, mm-hmm. film channels on, on YouTube with uh, coming close to 2 million subscribers uh, as well. And uh, it was, you know, it was even successful back then. He's like, hey man, you know, I like comic books not as much as you, but I would like to co-create something. Would you be willing to like host the show and co-create, you know, come up, you know, come up with the show with me? And I'm like, I'm down. Cause at the time I was, I was like uh a warehouse supervisor for Tyco, Tyco Electronics and Security in Boca Raton, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, no, I'll definitely do it. And this was around 2008. So when the first Iron Man came out, mm-hmm. what a lot of people don't know is we were shooting pilots and stuff for the show for like three years, pretty much three, almost three, four years, like reworking it, doing behind the scenes because the first episode of Variant didn't hit until 2012, mm-hmm. which is the same year and actually month because it was May of 2012 that the first Avengers movie came out, which is really cool. So we hit like kind of when, you know, the iron was hot mm-hmm. and with doing, you know, cause the channel basically became like a, like a kind of a, a school for a school for comic books. Like if you, if you don't know a lot about these characters, but you want to know like all of Iron Man's history in 10 minutes, yeah. I'll give you all the highlights. You know what I mean? In 10 minutes and stuff. And with the MCU just developing at that time and really coming into its own and then obviously exploding in the following years, uh, a lot of casual fans were like, hey, I like the Hulk. Hey, I like Thor. I want to know more about them. And they would mm-hmm. search on Google and, you know, to find like, I did, you know, variant of the history of uh, Thor and stuff like that. And it was an easy entry point. And then one of the things I learned earlier on, because I'm like, what would I want if I didn't know a lot about comic books was to do reading recommendations. So at the end of every history episode, let's say we're talking about Black Widow, because the mm-hmm. movie just came out recently. Uh, mm-hmm. At the end, it would be like, here are like five to seven like must read Black Widow storylines. And that would give the, the audience something to be like, oh, I'm going to go to my comic book store. I'm going to go to Amazon and buy that trade. Mm-hmm. So I think people really resonated with that. And then from there, you know, it kind of, thankfully it kind of blew up from there. People really dug it. We did versus episodes, alternate versions episodes, anything. As, as the tagline of the show is, we talk about all things comics, mm-hmm. whether it's TV shows, uh, video games, movies, you know, action figures, collectibles, anything and everything that is comic book or superhero related. And, uh, you know, we because of uh, us getting in early, we're commonly referred to as the godfather of comic book YouTube channels, which is an honor and really cool. But yeah, and here we are, years later, uh, making a comic book. <laughs> yes, and, and uh, I, there's one question I'm going to ask you guys. Actually, Aris, I'm going to ask you about. But so, okay, what about you, Frank? Where did you grow up? 
Uh, so I grew up in New Jersey uh, and lived there for quite a while. Uh, I'm just a tiny bit older than Aris, but uh, from <laughs> Jersey, I, I moved to New York City and I love, love, love New York City and was there when it was still kind of like the lifeblood with DC and Marvel both there. I was fortunate enough to go to both their offices while they were still there. And uh, then I kind of bounced all over after transitioning to freelance because New York is super expensive and not the most supportive place for freelance writing. Mm -hmm. I, I actually uh, worked for Comixology a little bit uh, early on. That's how I met everyone over there. And I'm so glad to still be involved with them when I can and, and mm -hmm. have their support as they're all great people. And, and I got to know them personally while they were still kind of building up and have always been a fan and, and just amazed by their passion. But uh and as I said, I went to school to be a teacher. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I grew up playing music and bands a lot and, and just traveling as much as I could, like touring. And uh, after I moved to New York, I, I really just decided like, hey, I wanna try to make writing happen full time. Like, mm -hmm. how can I do this? And was so, so fortunate and in the right time, right place for so many things. And uh, again, uh, I, very much like Eris, I grew up in that strike zone of of having the Batman animated show, which I love, the X-Men animated show. And also just in the 90s, and Eris, I'm curious if it was like this in Florida too, but like hmm. where I was, like you could throw a rock and hit 20 comic book stores. Oh, like, for sure. It was we, the 90s, yeah. it was mm -hmm. yep. boom. Yes. And like, uh, I didn't realize at the time that it wasn't always like that, obviously, but uh, there was a comic store in our local mall. And whenever my mom would like go shopping or something, she would leave me and I have a twin brother who I'm very close with. She would leave us in the comic book store and we were just always kind of surrounded by it and, and just thought it was a thing. And when I got to uh, high school, I remember that's when I found really my, my main LCS that was a little further because shops had started to close, unfortunately, but mm -hmm. uh, I had a very supportive store called New World Manga, which is still there in, uh, oh my gosh, not East Hanover. It, it, this is so embarrassing that I can't remember New Jersey <laughs> where I lived <laughs> 27 years, but uh, oh my gosh, I'll look at it. Livingston, excuse me, yes, it's Livingston, New Jersey. And uh, again, I would go there every week after school, after I got back from teaching and mm -hmm. uh, really like it's where I discovered like image books and things like that. And, and outside of Marvel and DC, it, just other like every major book I, I bought and really cared about I ended up buying at that store so mm -hmm. again I bought Watchmen there when I was like 17 and like things like that and like mm -hmm. just again way after the fact obviously but it, it is where I discovered everything and, and really near and dear to my heart the the one the mall has long since been closed but I, <laughs> I and Jason I apologize if I'm jumping all over to other questions but uh yeah. the, the first thing i really remember reading is yes. i actually have an extreme fondness for the series x-men 2099 because, oh, yes. uh, because that is the first book i read monthly as a kid like i just bought every issue of it monthly and it taught me hey comics come out every month and you can always be <laughs> and then also like hey creative teams change hey things happen and mm -hmm. but uh i have all of them in a like binder somewhere at my parents house and uh again i have such a fondness for for that story and it, it makes me so envious that like so much is collected in trade now i mean virtually everything and then also with digital you can get stuff because uh back then like sometimes you could just miss a book and if you didn't catch it you didn't catch it and uh yes. the other the other big book that i really really loved that i guess it was probably around like 15 when i came out was joe kelly's run on deadpool like when Marvel did that launch, I think uh, Kazar was part of it and like Maverick was part of it. Whatever that launch was called in, in Deadpool was, it was Joe Kelly and Ed McGuinness. I love, love, love that Deadpool book. And it went on for like a hundred plus issues and lots of different people ended up writing it, but it was Joe and Ed McGuinness who brought me into it. And 
I just have such a fondness for for that run, and I loved how funny it was. I loved Ed McGinnis's art, and that was another one that I was. Comic shops were a little harder to find at that time, and I was just driving mm-hmm. all over. But uh, and also, oh gosh, I can go on forever. Like then, like when J. Michael Straczynski's run started, and the Grant Morrison X Men started. Like I was oh, yes. I was shopping at New World Manga at that time, but like I just loved weekly comics so so much. I still do, but like mm-hmm. I was in New York City, Forbidden Planet. I would go to all the time, and, and met one of my well. I met my good friend Matt Rosenberg outside of there, but he was working there when I lived in New York City and we'd just hang out every day and talk about breaking into comics and he did as well. So he's <laughs> doing a lot of DC now, but has been at Marvel and stuff too. And it's one interesting thing about comics in general is like, I know so many of the contemporary writers and artists now just because we all kind of broke in together. And it's really nice to see that everyone who is like passionate and stuck with it, like I feel like has had a degree of success and that really just kind of warms my heart and again it can be all creative arts can be so unforgiving and hard to get into but I feel like for the most part comics has been a very like accessible like good area to be in and, and something that people can really pursue and, and it's one thing that I'm passionate a lot about teaching I'm passionate about like talking a lot about the medium how to actually break in and things like that because I feel like it is so much more doable than a lot of people think and mm-hmm. at a time where again i think there's a lot of like cool new voices out there it, it is just mm-hmm. something that i am always passionate about but anyway i wandered real far away from that question oh. but grew, grew up in new jersey oh. yeah, short answer there oh. and frank and aris and and i'm gonna let to our listeners know too it's like you know don't worry because the thing is you know um because it's your guys, and we're going to lead up to how Astonishing Times came about, but it's your guys' love and passion for comics. That, that's the main thing. So it's like, don't worry. Like I said, don't worry. You know, don't worry about this. And, it's, and Frank, I have to comment that, that, you know, that X-Men, you know, 2099, because I, I remember when it came out, because, and, and I'm going to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, well, let's put it this way. I, the time, because for me, when Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, I think was like reaching, you know, uh, you know I'm, I'm going to show my age. I think, you know, when um, Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man number one came out, I mean, I was reading, I was reading Amazing Spider-Man, but Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man number one, when it came out, I was like going, oh my God, now I can jump on a number one. <laughs> So I, I, I only, and Frank, I only can imagine that, you know, you getting an X-Men 2099 number one is be like, I can get onto this series. You know, I don't yeah, have to yeah. try to figure out, wait, okay, Phoenix died, but she's alive. <laughs> yeah. And wait, so Cyclops, you know, and, and we all know the history of the, and Aris, you probably know this more than me, but you know how sometimes the X-Men and I'm not picking on X-Men, please. I'm just, it's just an example, but <laughs> how, how the X-Men, you know, comics sometimes are a little bit impenetrable. Yeah. And, you know? and we didn't have Eris's channel to explain it all to us back then. <laughs> Dude, if, if, I, I've said it before. If uh, you think the X-Men is impenetrable, imagine going through reverse flashes history. That, for that thing is, that took me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. No, no, yeah, there is something special about being part of a launch like that. And I feel like even, even more so a little bit more back in the day when stuff wasn't as easily collected or accessible. And that, that's, yes. that, that's interesting to hear, too, because I also have an extreme fondness for Spider-Man, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. Ultimate Spider-Man was the book that I feel like 
made me really want to even be a writer and like reintroduced me to comics like because that was right around like 99 I guess like I, I guess I was right around also when the Morrison X-Men ended up hitting because so I just started high school and met other kids who read comics for the first time and, mm -hmm. and we were talking about it and uh and through that I discovered powers and through powers I discovered image and and all those other things powers is also just one of my all-time favorite comics which is the again uh, Bendis is 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 really I think just a writer who did so so much for for the industry when he came in. Yes. For sure. Okay, so Aris, I'm gonna ask, um, I'm gonna ask, um, so I'm just gonna ask Aris is that basically it's like, um, you know, and you know, what about you, Aris? What, what was your first comic or comics that you read? And you know, what was your first LCS? My first uh, comic that I ever read was one of the Nightfall series, I believe, when, because again, 90s, so Batman Nightfall. <laughs> Yes. Uh, but it was, I don't remember exactly what issue, but it was the, I, forget, I don't know the issue number on the top of my head, but it's the, it was one of the issues. It was a Nightfall or Night Quest, the one where Batman is tied to a tree and Poison Ivy is like right next to him, like looking down at him. I don't know if that's ringing a bell for either of you, but uh, it was, it was one Nightfall or Night Quest. That's like right in there. Cause I just remember yeah. like going to my local comic book store and seeing like this armored, Batman I'm like what is this this is so freaking cool it's like you know a full-on armored Batman with like all these spikes and like claws on his hands and all that stuff and at the time I thought you know I did I just would buy stuff based on covers right and then read it when I got home I'm like what why is Bruce like in this weird thing only to find out it's like oh that's not Bruce <laughs> like yeah. that's why Bruce Bruce got his back hurt by Bane right so yeah. they, they so someone's filling in for him uh, but the Nightfall slash Night, uh, Night Quest was my first entry into comic books. That and actually a reprint of Amazing Fantasy 15. Ah. So the first Spider-Man. So to this day, my two favorite uh, comic book characters are Batman and Spider-Man. So, mm. uh, you know, th those were my entryways. Like most, like most, I think they're, they're fan favorites for a reason, just because globally everyone can relate to them. And they're just, mm -hmm. you know, they like, they're, as Spider-Man and Batman, they're kind of like night and day where Peter Parker's kind of like the young, kind of cool, like you can relate to him, especially being a kid. You're like, oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not cool. I'm a nerd. But if I got powers, I would do cool things and save people. And then Batman's like, what every kid wishes he could be, right? Where it's like, if I get really, really rich and mm -hmm. I, I could buy some tech and get a Batmobile and go out there and be awesome and, you know, beat the Joker. <laughs> but yeah, so Amazing Spider-Man 15 reprint and Nightfall slash Night Quest were my entries into actually reading comic books. Uh, and then, you know, because when I first started reading, I was young, you know, I was, I don't know, between eight and 10. Like, I didn't really know. I would, again, I would just buy stuff based on cover. So a yeah. lot of times I wasn't even reading full storylines. I was just jumping into the middle because I'm like, oh, this looks cool. But yeah. over time, you know, you learn and, you know, you get friends now that are into comic books and stuff like that. And you, you just, uh, like, you meet the people at the, at the comic book shop. Because I was still young, but my dad and my mom would become friends with them. And they'd be like, oh, if he likes this, he'll like that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you start getting trades. And then once I got a little older, I got into The Killing Joke, Dark Knight Returns, all the classics and stuff like that. And then obviously Spawn. I was huge mm -hmm. on Spawn because that was the new big thing at the time, right? Mm -hmm. Like Image. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, Spawn was a big thing. And as far as my local comic book shop, I don't know if it's still in in uh in uh Florida, but one of the ones I went to, which wasn't in the same city as me, but it was a little farther. It was bigger. Past, future, and present comics, uh, which was around twenty minutes from where I lived, but it was awesome. It, it, it was huge. And then another one, which I know is still around. This was again. This wasn't in the same city as me, but it was like twenty minutes away. And I think it's still the biggest comic book shop in South Florida, Tate's Comics. 
uh, in, I think, is it Deerfield or something? Deerfield, Florida, something like that. I'm probably remembering wrong. But Tate's Comics, I'm sure if you live in Florida, you've at least heard of it. It's massive. It's the biggest one in South Florida. So those are the two that stick with me to this day. But that, like Frank said, like in the mm-hmm. 90s, it was, it was pretty much everywhere in the States. Like mm-hmm. you could pretty much throw a dart and find a comic book shop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you guys because I remember um yeah because i mean back in the 90s i mean it was i feel like in the late 80s um i remember that there were only and i could be wrong but you know because i live in a i lived at a different part of oahu and there would be like two comic shops direct direct market um comic shops like Mm -hmm. you know two blocks away from each other that's fine that was fine then all of a sudden in the 90s it was like already they were like um, four comic shops like literally in in a half mile and then by the early 2000s the only two that were standing were the ones that were there you know that were there back in the 80s you know mm-hmm. but no but I, I, mm-hmm. and i just looked it up because i had to know it was going to bother me so the, the nightfall issue i was talking about it's batman 495 nightfall part seven Oh, so there it is and i still have that book somewhere in one of my my short boxes in a closet here and which is you know it's beat to crap because i was yeah. a kid but I'm, I'm never getting rid of that <laughs> no but it's but it's kind of like but it's like one of those where it's like it, it has that sen- sentimental value yes that, yeah. that's the key thing and then uh, frank i'm just asking do you still have your copy of x-men 2099 number one I do. It, it, it's probably in such bad condition because as I said, it's in like a binder with like, I had bought like someone had sold like peak nineties stuff. Like they had sold like a, cause you know how they're like the like baseball card pages to put them in a binder. They had sold yeah. ones that were for comic books as well. So I had yeah. all of them in, in a big old green binder, like three ring binder somewhere. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm going to find it. I, I'm going to go visit my, my dad, uh, in the fall and i definitely need to find that <laughs> dude you know what's really cool now that i googled it so that issue of the batman 495 i was talking about from nightfall came out in june of 1993 and june is my birthday month so that's freaking oh. look at look at that <laughs> full circle which i remember again I, I won't take us off track to talk too much about my comics but i remember i was i was just telling someone buying the uh the one where Azriel takes over and he's wearing like that mecha batman suit and kills bane like spoilers yep. for as bad. <laughs> but I remember buying that off a spinner rack at a smoke shop. Quote Dude, smoke shop, yes. which was like our stationery store, which I'm like in like my local like town, like just in it's just like, oh yeah, just remembering that comics were everywhere and you could just grab I remember Random Circle K used shit. to have a spinner rack by me in uh, Margate, Florida. Like spinner racks were everywhere. Like I miss the spinner racks. You could find them at some shops here and there, but like Again, you were saying you could find them at 7-Eleven, Circle yeah, K, yeah, like anywhere. Like so many places. And, yeah. just, and, and like you said, just grab random issues. There's so many. I went back and like reread a lot of X-Men as I do really love X-Men as well. Like, like I'm like, I'm going to read every issue of X-Men. Did not make it, but I, I looked through a lot and it was so surreal seeing just like random issues I had read as a kid that were just floated my way or like <laughs> grabbed at a store and... I mean, one thing that was really interesting uh, before we move on was uh, my my parents knew we liked comics and knew we liked X-Men. So for like Christmas or our birthdays and things like that, we'd just grab whatever they could. And uh, one thing I still have on my bookshelf was a uh, Marvel Masterworks of the uh, giant size X-Men number one into that new run of X-Men where mm-hmm. Wolverine debuted. And, and I read that, I was probably like 10 and like never realized like that was such a formative historical piece of, piece of x-men history and like it 
just so fascinating to look at now and be like, oh man, yeah, I, I, I probably didn't really even read all the word balloons when I was a kid. Just looked through it and tried yeah, to try it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so again, listeners and Frank and Eris, like I said, don't worry because we're here to celebrate comics and just to hear you guys just talk about your love for comics about you know, um, it's just bringing back great memories, you know, for all of us. So don't worry about, you know, um, going too long or going, Hey, I remember I bought this and don't, don't worry about that. Because we're here to celebrate comics. That, yeah. That's the main thing. So, all right. So after I said that, I'm going to, I got to, <laughs> <laughs> let's get to the business. Yeah, okay. so, so how did you guys meet? Uh, we met through a mutual friend uh, that uh, was a childhood friend from um, Frank, actually. But I met him through uh, Ryan again, uh, the, the other co-creator for for Variant. And then he's like, "Hey, I have uh, you got you have this comic book show. I have uh, this friend that I grew up with, and he's currently having a comic book coming out on Image Comics. Maybe I can get you guys together, and you know, if you want to interview him for the show or something like that." Mm-hmm you know, that'd be awesome. And th- that was when uh, Five Ghosts was coming out for Frank at the time. So I yeah, didn't he- realize your channel was so new at the time too, because yeah. you had such a pro atmosphere around you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were only a year or two in, because this was like, what, 2013, 2014? Yeah, it was something? definitely 2013, yeah. 2013, okay. So 2013 we were this- or 2014 at the latest. Yeah, so this was like two years into Variant, and uh, I was like, oh, that's dope. I think Frank was actually one of my first creator interviews. I don't know. Did you know that, Frank? I don't even think you knew that. I don't even know. No, I definitely did not. I was in the whirlwind of just yeah. like, oh, wait, someone actually wants to like talk to me and tape me? Like, I can't believe that's a thing. <laughs> so uh, we got Frank on, obviously. Uh, I interviewed him about the comic. And we just kept talking after that. We, we became friends. And, you know, throughout the years, uh, I think he came back like a second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, would, we would meet up at Comic-Cons and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. then... You know, we just became friends. I was like, hey, Frank, you, would you ever want to do a comic book? He's like, yeah, yeah, maybe I'll definitely be down to do that. And it was one of those things, you know, we said in passing at first. Another mm-hmm. year or two went by, and we're like, hey, remember the time you still want to do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until yeah. eventually around the third or fourth time, we're like, all right, it's time. We've talked about it for a while now. Like, yeah. <laughs> let's do it. And, um, you know, luckily, you know, his schedule lined up, my schedule lined up. I mean, it took, it took some doing, I think. <laughs> we, we have a long story with that. It took a while. Uh, but we, we eventually did it. And, uh, it kind of, you know, the, the idea, what Astonishing Times became now is not what, you know, originally was because uh, I, I said it in a, a past interview or something like that, mm-hmm. where it sounds hilarious, but like, it was kind of like a, a, like the initial idea of me, like going to Frank and be like, hey, I have this idea for this thing. Let's do this before we made it evolve was from a fever dream. I had the flu like okay. a few years ago and like I had this concept uh, uh, for a comic book and I was like, yo, Frank, you think this is cool? He's like, yeah, it's pretty cool, but what if we do this, this, and this? And it evolved, and he came back to me with this, and I came back to that with this, and then eventually it became uh, Astonishing Times. But I, I just think it's funny to now say that, like, it sparked with a fever dream, because that just makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, from here on out, anyone who asks, I was just like, it started with a fever dream, <laughs> that me and Frank got together, and we banged it out, and now it's Astonishing Times. <laughs> and, and I think it's like, because you had, like, floated that idea to me so many times, I was like, yeah, yeah, for sure, one one of these days, but when you finally came at me with, like, oh, like, I actually had an idea, it really got us talking, and mm-hmm. and... Again, uh, we won't spoil Iris's original idea as he'll probably pursue it one day, but I was definitely like transitioning, I think, into my like grumpy comics phase at this time. Like I, uh, 
again, working in comics full time is a hard job. It is a lot. You always need to be think about what you're doing next, like talking to a bunch of different people, like hoping that like there's availability, hoping that your brand is still strong, that people are still buying your books. And it, for me, it, it really exhausted me. And uh, why I, I thankfully ended up getting a full-time job in games, which again, is just a su support structure I need. Like freelance is too much for me <laughs> full-time. <laughs> I still love comics. I'm so thankful I can make them on a much more relaxed schedule now. But uh, that's when Eris really started engaging with me on this. And I was just like, I, I don't know if I can make a comic Eris. I don't have it in me right now. And <laughs> I definitely can't do a superhero comic because that's, I don't want to do one. There's no market for creator-owned superheroes. Not true. But mm -hmm. at the time I was very burned out and, mm -hmm the that sounds negative but the plus side of that is we got talking a lot and Eris was so passionate and like I started talking about like well if we did do a superhero comic <laughs> this is what would get me excited about it mm -hmm. and and it started a very healthy and organic conversation about like what we wanted the book to be and if I was going to do a superhero comic in 20 whatever year that was 17 mm -hmm. 2018 like what would make it special or what would make it unique and I think that ended up being some of the most productive, like exciting talks we had. And from that, we really grew what became Astonishing Times. And it took took a bit of time because of many different things, but I, I think we really found the core of it quickly. And, and Eris's experience as uh, someone who's clearly also loved comics, but has been in a position where he talks to a lot of people who love comics, a lot of again, very different from the position of like a burnt out comics writer is Eris, who's been creating this very positive, excited content, talking to a lot of people, seeing different people's opinion, seeing what they love was a really unique perspective to hear and, and really inspiring for me to think about like, okay, like how do we convert that into to our story? Not, not necessarily catering to that audience, but remembering like, okay, what is, what is something that can be new and exciting, but also celebratory and yes. like healthy towards the medium instead of cynical or, mm -hmm. or dark for the sake of darkness. And, and I think that's where we really turned ahead and we're like, Hey, like, and, and again, I'm a huge nerd and like very, very into like writing theory and like deep, deep theme and, and things like that. And, mm -hmm. and probably annoyingly. So like we, <laughs> with the title Eris oh man like I'm so happy we landed on Astonishing Times as we love it and it really encapsulates the book but we went through so so many titles because uh, our book is about a journalist and, and that's a, a big part of it is I, I feel like journalism in general for comics is often not really celebrated but there are so many people who passionately write about comics and and superheroes and just the whole medium and there's a real love there because it's clearly not like an easy money job or something like that, that people do. Uh, and uh, I was really passionate about getting a story that had a journalist who mm -hmm. unequivocally, unironically loves comics as the main character. And mm -hmm. in our, in our book, they love superheroes because superheroes are real in their world. But uh, that was a really nice entry point. And I think uh, the big thing I was like, Eris, whatever the name of the book is, has to be the name of his column. So clearly we need parody there because we thought of all these great titles, but I'm like, that doesn't sound like a newspaper column though. And, uh, that sounds like a story arc title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I feel like I veered off of it, but it, it really was just great to, to talk with Eris healthily about this. And, and I say healthily because I, again, I was very burned out on comics. And well, I think that helped us though, yeah. right? No, no, it, yeah, it, for sure. It balanced us out, like, you know, saying you were coming out of like this, you know, I guess, quote unquote, grumpy uh, <laughs> stage <laughs> of uh, writing comic books where I was like the fresh meat. 
to you know writing comics but i was like dude what if we do this with this character and we mm-hmm. had this and that and then you know you would go and be like okay that's cool we could place this here we could do that and it just added a good dynamic where you know you were like as you say like the nerd writer as far as like well we have to make sure we get this cross at this mm-hmm. you know you know the whole act of the story and i'm just like dope but we need this character <laughs> and we need to have you know this character's gonna have that power and then by this like he'll do this or she'll do that so it, was, it worked out really really well in that sense where it was like we kind of both had what we were excited about and then yeah. we just merged it together and it became hopefully a really good story <laughs> and that's why i go back quickly like i was very reticent to do original superhero stuff because for the longest time like obviously there have been some really amazing breakthroughs like throughout the history of comics but in the more modern era like you guys were saying even spawn but then the new class of image like kirkman with invincible and like mm-hmm. I, I feel a few others have broken through and the boys the bo- yeah and but it's just an intimidating space because I just didn't want, and, and I feel like lots of creators feel this way, I just don't want to do my crummy Batman story, but I can't actually write Batman, or my crummy Spider-Man story, but I can't actually write Spider-Man right now. But uh, So I've always been very intimidated, and the only other crack I took was I did a book called Black Market at Boom Studios, which was a, uh, a book that very much was like inspired by my love of powers, and uh in with an artist whom I adore, Victor Santos, who's been an amazing co-creator with me since then. But uh, I feel like I got what I needed out of that. So I was just very, like, had a question mark when I was canceling and said like, okay, what do I think we need to say about superheroes now? And, and mm-hmm. thankfully, like I said, I, I was very much full of, uh, especially after talking with Aries, like very full of like positivity and yes. like excitement and mm-hmm. good things, not cynical things, because I think it's very easy to be cynical, yes. especially even myself saying like, as a writer, I was very burnt out. I was tired of this material, like in the endless turn of trying to create, create, create. And uh, mm-hmm. I really wanted something that, that was inspirational, something exciting and something that celebrated the medium as well as people who like the medium. And, and as I said, we're not trying to just go for fan service, but I, I think there is a real lack of material out there that doesn't treat the the medium and the genre of superheroes like not reverent but like as something that is worth pursuing like unironically like there's always like a wink or like oh this is kind of silly and and we want to stay away from that because like these stories really do resonate and are huge parts of many many people's lives now more than ever with, with everything and it was just very much our mission to not tread like the same cynical ground and, and, yes. and again i'm not saying cynicism overly negative. I think there's been some really beautiful deconstruction. Obviously, Watchmen mm-hmm. is one of my favorite books. Yeah. Uh, but like, we just didn't want to go in that angle. Because I think when you're doing creator-owned superheroes, there is a temptation quickly to fall into that. Like, okay, well, let's deconstruct. Let's find the problems. And let's, okay. uh, but uh, we want to do something that felt in that love letter type space, but not yeah. not at the expense of being an interesting story with something new to say as well. Because we, we really, while our messages largely more positive i think it still is reflective and and takes an examination of like what does almost this genre this this fandom mean in 2021 Mm -hmm. you know that's my ted talk so thank you everyone (laughs) (laughs) uh, would ask do you want to add anything to that yeah for sure i mean i think you know i agree obviously with everything frank said but you know to expand on that a little more it's like you know to go what he was saying as far as like a lot of the most successful like comic books with even the big two right now are kind of like taking the, you know, the, not want to say negative approach, but like the apocalyptic approach, right? In the yes. sense where like yeah. injustice, it's all about an evil Superman with mm-hmm. the superheroes dying every issue, which is dope. One of my favorite series, 
But, you know, we see a lot of that. Even, like, Deceased is, like, a zombie apocalypse type thing. Mm -hmm. Marvel has just announced a brand new series that's going to be post-apocalyptic, too. Uh, Even The Boys, which is hugely successful, and I love, but that's, you know, again, dealing with, like, the evilness of characters and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, Uh, where we wanted to kind of flip that, like, you know, because it's, like, at, at its core, it's, like, why do kids in general, or, you know, us when we're young, gravitate towards these, you know, men and women in capes and tights, right? And I think it's just because people ultimately want to be good and help people, right? So it's like you're automatically kind of driven to that, like even subconsciously, which is why stereotypically, again, it's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? A firefighter. What do you want to be when you grow up? A doctor. All all those things are helping people and helping the world. So what's like the pinnacle of that? It would be a superhero. Well, now you actually have powers to Mm -hmm. literally change the world and no Mm -hmm. one you know, could stop you, even these big, bad supervillains. So I think it's just something subconsciously we're born with, instinctual, because yes, there's a lot of crap in this world. There's a lot of bad, especially over this last year or so, you know, this, the world has been turned upside down. But I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, there's more good in the world. You know, and I think we, Frank and I both kind of wanted to reflect on that a little bit. Now, again, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens in our comic book. It's not all sunshine and rainbows, <laughs> but you know, but the message at the end is like, look, I keep saying this. I'll probably be saying this for all the press that I do for this book, but it's one of my favorite lines uh, that we came up for the book is uh, uh, in there. It's like, we look up not for someone to save us, but for the hope of a better tomorrow. And I think that right there encompasses everything we tried to say uh, and do with astonishing times, you know, to be like, Hey, there's 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 always hope let's let's keep yes. going on to do better things um i'm gonna i'm gonna jump around a little bit Aris, because i'm gonna say when this project was greenlit mm-hmm. how did your inner child react to this i mean oh, you running around the house going, oh my god <laughs> dude it it was freaking crazy because this is a you know frank's uh, frank's done a bunch so he's he's like he's like yeah i've done so many grumpy ones. frank yeah, yeah. <laughs> frank's, frank's done stuff for marvel you know and all the yeah. all the all the big guys so he's a veteran so but for me like this is like a childhood dream this is my first like like realization of hey like if you would have told eight-year-old Aris that by the time you know he's older and he's an adult mm-hmm. he would be uh you know writing characters and co-creating this universe that people will hopefully love and enjoy and one day go to a comic book shop and pick it up and his name he's one of his names uh his name is on the title right of of the cover i blew my mind so like when they got greenlit i was like yes this is this like it it was one of those things where you know when you're so happy you're kind of in shock a little bit you know where it's like you're not just like running around you're just kind of like wait is this real like someone's like you're making fun of me this is a lie right (laughs) like (laughs) kind of that thing but I, to be honest, like you, it still hasn't hit me fully. Like it's, it's weird. Cause it's like gradually happening. Like when we announced the book, mm-hmm. that's when it really got real for me because uh, the whole mm-hmm. variant nation and you know, everyone was, was commenting like, that's so awesome. We're, we're so happy for you guys. And we got tons and tons of positive comments on it. So that's when it really hit. But I think, I think the day that I go to a comic book shop or any, you know, shop that sells uh, comic books or trades, and I see like the physical book mm-hmm. on the shelf yes. with my last name on the cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to sob in the middle of that comic store like a little baby. <laughs> I was going to say, Eris, we, we already also did so much of the hard work before it's out because we, we thankfully uh, you know, have, have finished the book before it, it even comes to market. And like uh, Eris got to like see the whole like, oh, this is like the physical like 
long drawn out process of bringing your creative vision to life before any of the exciting parts. So mm-hmm. hopefully now you can just sit back and enjoy. No, it. Really. And, and you know, at the end of the day, I'm just like thankful for everyone, like Frankfurt, you know, doing it with me and you know because i because again i'm the i'm the new bread i've never done anything before so uh i say it all the time but frank uh, i was like yo frank like i literally texted to him or said it on the phone call to me i'm like you're gonna have to be my yoda okay this is like empire strikes back okay you're gonna be on my back and i'm gonna be doing handstands all luke style and you're gonna teach me how to use the force here okay <laughs> <laughs> but uh thankfully it worked out and I, i've learned a, a whole lot uh and it's been a ton of fun dream come true Mm-hmm. I, I'm. It's still going to be weird to when the first issue drops mm-hmm. and to see you know people's reactions of it. Even now, like we've already got some fan art of people like loving the designs of like Koken and Infinite and stuff like that. It's just like mm-hmm. it's so weird to like to see people react to something that was in your brain, mm-hmm. and now they're like, oh no, this is a thing. We like it. I, the first time someone cosplays one of our characters, I, I'll probably also cry. <laughs> 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 I got two. I got two girls. I'm too sensitive for this crap now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Frank, I'm just gonna make a comment. You know what's really nice is that I I know you know you you know like you mentioned it's kind of like you know um you know kind of like you're you know as you mentioned that you're kind of you know slowly burning out. Aris comes with this you know with this comic book idea. What's really nice is that you guys balance each other out through this. For sure. This For, sure. For mm-hmm. sure. I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, well, we're just friends in general, but I think that definitely helped a lot because like the things I was excited about, he was burnt out on. So I, I guess I would pick <laughs> up some of the slack on that. The things I didn't know much about was the mm-hmm. stuff he wanted to do a lot of and was you know better at. So it kind of just evened out, which was great. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and obviously like we, we talked a bit about this, on other podcasts, and I think on Variant, but uh, it's something I don't shy away from. Like I'm very much an open book about the industry, about writing, about craft. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of people are very curious about the act of co-writing, but like I really love co-writing in the form I do it as there's many different ways you can co-write. Like some people literally will be so granular as to like, oh, I'll write five pages, you write five pages. Mm-hmm. But, but the way I do it is much more almost like a writer's room type method where in this case, Eris and I, we we just got together, we talked out the story. Like I, I thankfully know enough about structuring and enough about like how to pace out a comic that I could put down some guideposts. But then we just talked it through and about what was exciting to us, what we were trying to do. And that's when you, to me, write the book quote unquote. Like that's mm-hmm. like talking about what is actually there. And that's the fun part. Like that's, mm-hmm. for me, a lot of that's the puzzle. That's the like, oh, this is how things fit together. But like, Literally, as I said, I'm a twin, so I am a kind of collaborative, sherry person by nature because I grew up always having to do that. But thankfully, <laughs> like it, it works for me. And writing can be such a solitary, lonely job. And getting to do it with someone else was was such a, a joy. And mm-hmm. and again, our co-writing was extremely collaborative to the point when then when we finally had to write the scripts, like comic scripts as well are instructions for someone to draw. Like they're not romantic to write. So we already knew exactly what went on every page and we just got those out. We worked on the dialogue together and mm-hmm. then gave it over to our, our, our artist, Ruri Coleman, who is fantastic. We have not brought Amazing. up nearly enough, but yes. uh, you will all see plenty of, but uh, again, another collaborator who just gets in there and then brings it to life. But uh, from the writing perspective, again, it was, it was really fun and just like hanging out. Yes. Like, 
for lack of a better term, like play and make believe together, but with, with <laughs> some more structure. And, mm-hmm. and it is a really healthy, productive way to kind of escape that kind of burnout or being tired on your own. But it, as I said, we, we really hope to make some like really cool content with Varian that is a little more instructional as well. Cause I, I am very passionate about like, Hey, like, okay, you have a vision, you have an idea. Mm-hmm. There's so little resources that show you that in between, like, I think mm-hmm. there are a lot of great writing classes and great writing books, but there's so little that actually tells you like, Oh, like how do you actually go from, I have an idea to making in, in this case, a comic book. And mm-hmm. I, I am very passionate about sharing that information, that knowledge, because it, it really just is weirdly tribal knowledge that people share in the industry. And I'm so thankful for the people who were patient with me when I was breaking in and, and people who I would ask questions at cons. And I know that can be awkward and everyone's not so type a like me who will get out there and ask people so I, I'm, I'm very passionate about bringing that information to, to people who want it as well well that was you know going off what you said about writing the book frank that was one of the coolest things that you know i learned as far as like it, it's funny because you know going again i never wrote a comic book before right you know you, you do stuff on your own and, and you mess around but never like oh no this is this is going to be published with comicsology dark horse is going to make it a trade later on like mm-hmm. this is a, a real comic book right so I, you know, I didn't know how to do it, but it's, it was cool learning at least the way we did it. And this, you know, which I love, I, I find myself going to want to do this going forward is like Frank said, you know, we got together in, in an office mm-hmm. and banged out the entire five issue arc mm-hmm. in that day. So like, you know, in the sense of we knew where it was starting, we knew where it mm-hmm. was going to be in the middle and we knew how we wanted to, to end. So with all the posts there, knowing where, where we wanted to go and mm-hmm. at what issue we wanted to go it was really easy to like then go back later, especially like, cause after that, then we would break it down by like page by page Uh and bullet points be like panel one, we want this character to do that panel two, this. Right. So then like, once you know what you want every character to do, it's so much easier to write in the dialogue. And And that's a big thing. Frank taught me. I was like, cause at first I was really worried about the dog and he's like, dude, don't worry about the dog. That's that's like Mm -hmm. the easy part. I'm like, all right, all right. So, and he's right. Cause once you know where everything is going, what you're doing, like, you know what the character has to say more or less. Mm -hmm. There's only so many ways you could say a a certain Mm -hmm. thing. Right. So it made, uh, it made a lot of sense and I love it. And it's, uh, you know, I find myself when I go to co-write things in the future, it's like, I'm going to want to do this method. It's going to be the, I don't, we got to coin it, Frank. We got to coin this, <laughs> just the Marvel method. We got to coin this method. <laughs> but uh, but I, I will say too, we, as I said, we also had the luxury of like talking about it and really take our time, like mm-hmm. probably over the course of two or three years, like about what we would want to be in there. So when it finally mm-hmm. came down to like, Hey, let's like actually break the plot for the book. I think yes. we were both just like, rearing and ready to go but yeah the, the, the fact that we were slowly slow burning this over two years <laughs> definitely <laughs> helped <laughs> no, I, well sorry Continue no, no, on. I, I was just gonna say it was it generally like a good time some some things are harder than others in creative life but this this came pretty easily and i think we we pretty quickly snapped mm-hmm. into place uh as collaborators so so um I'm going to backtrack on one of the questions because you guys may have answered it, but you know, just for the listeners, you know, um, can you guys just go without spoiling anything? You know, what is the premise of astonishing times? Because does, because um, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, the main character is Noah Sands. Is that correct? Yes. Noah Sands. Yes. And then there's a murder mystery in this that starts it off. Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> you are correct on both accounts. <laughs> okay. Anything else you want to add on that, you know, um, you know, anything else or? 
Uh, I guess I'll start it and Frank could add anything else. Yeah, uh, we, we, we just talked so much about this for variants. Yeah. So I'm curious to see how well you do before I do. Oh, no, no, we, we do want to get it out there. I'm just saying, hopefully we're yeah. prepped now to succinctly. <laughs> so uh, basically the story follows uh, our main character, protagonist, uh, Noah Sands, who he's essentially like, uh, his dad was basically like the, the Jimmy Olsen of our universe, right? Where he was, he was like the reporter uh, he was really uh, tight with the superheroes of this universe, but mm-hmm. he unfortunately uh, died. So now Noah is living in the shadow of his father, and he's in this world at this point in time. It's a few years after the Cataclysm, which yes. is where heroes saved humanity. Mm-hmm. But like because of that, just over the years, just kind of like, I guess, everything in life, uh, once something is around so often and so much, you just kind of get used to it. So it became <laughs> commonplace. But he's like one of the few dudes in this world. It's like, guys, like, this isn't a normal thing. You know what I mean? Like, these people are still awesome. Like, you shouldn't be used someone like flying in and like you know saving uh these kids who are like falling off a cliff or something like that it's like that's something that needs to constantly be celebrated and not forgotten so he has this column called astonishing times Mm -hmm. and his boss is basically like hey man sales are not going so good you have one shot to get get like the best story of your life and Mm -hmm. uh we learned that he's only doing that because of who his father was right he's like Mm -hmm. because your dad is who he was i'll let you get one last shot dude and that kind of throws noah you know, you know, he's getting worried. He doesn't want to tell his wife and all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, without giving too much away, it kind of, he inevitably comes, uh, he meets one of his, uh, you know, childhood heroes and they end up, you know, getting into shenanigans with one another and having to solve this big murder mystery, as you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of the premise, Frank. Do you want to, you want to elaborate a little more on that? Did I leave anything no, out? I, I think that that's great. And, and I feel like that is the like plot stuff we want to lead with up front. This is all pretty early issue one stuff, but, uh, yeah. I think even in just hearing what Eris was saying, like this is a book that I'm so excited that we came up with this really cool, exciting plot that gets you in and and definitely twists into, I think some unexpected places as it goes forward. But uh, really just, we want to create this like really nice kind of parallel to a lot of modern superhero fandom. Again, the idea that we're so inundated in superhero movies, like merch, like comics, and people are kind of forgetting what this stuff was supposed to stand for, what it's supposed to be like. So we we love that we have a character who we found a really nice analog who inherited this column from his father, who mm-hmm. tries to see the good in, in superheroes and is just like, not cynical and angry, but like more like, come on, everyone, like, do you not see there are literally people flying outside your window? And in a big like kind of metaphor in the book is this idea of looking up like Eric was saying before like Noah will like lament in his column like no one looks up anymore like no one cares that there are literally people flying around and, and with his column he, he makes a big decree like this year I'm going to show you why like you're going to remember to we look we have to look up and then mm-hmm. as Eric said it becomes very dire that he has he's going to lose the column and uh, he he does end up stumbling headfirst kind of into this murder mystery that's very out of his leagues, but it, it also gives him a chance to kind of confront his heroes face to face for the first time. And mm-hmm. we had so much fun with that and the idea of like, oh, like what would it be like to have like a normal human protagonist working <laughs> alongside? And, and and that's something I think is often done for laughs or, or not really explored, but I was so glad we have a, a like human protagonist in our story mm-hmm. who yeah. again is able to like be a foil to the superheroes and and we obviously get deep into the superheroes as well as their fun interesting characters but uh it it was really a 
a conscious decision for us to have a normal person at the core of this because we want to talk about, again, we, we want to closely identify with our readers who are probably not superheroes, but, uh, mm -hmm. but still think about that lens because it, it is, the genre is a very real part of our lives, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, but no, no, it is definitely a love letter to the genre, a love letter to superheroes, and a love letter to journalism in, in the sense that we don't really get into the nuts and bolts of journalism. I'm not going <laughs> to try to make anyone think mm -hmm. I suddenly went to journalism school, but uh, I, I just really, through my career, have had so much support from comics journalists, and this is such a small business, and retailers as well. I mean, anything I've been able to do has been because of their support, and it's a small way to pay it forward, but uh, again, I, I think it's also really fruitful ground. I, obviously, like there, there are some stories that have explored things like this before, like Marvels is a big one, but uh, mm -hmm. I'm really happy that we found our own corner, and I, I feel like we found a really kind of like modern and energetic like story for now with it. Mm -hmm. um, my next question is going to be, now no spoilers, can you guys go over some of the characters um, in this series? And how did you guys come up with these characters too? Uh, for sure. Do you want to divide them up, Frank? Or do you want to... <laughs> uh, you, can, you can kind of take us through. I know we just did. And if you want to kind of maybe hype up the fact that... Because Jason, forgive me. When, when will we be putting this uh, interview out? I'm going to say probably within the next couple of weeks. Right, cool. Okay. We'll, okay. We'll, awesome. We'll, ha so, we'll have some good companion content okay. soon too that we can point to. So awesome. All right. So yeah, we can definitely tease uh, some of the characters. So obviously we have Noah, who we just kind of went over as he, you know, he's the main character and what uh, what he gets into. But as far as uh, the heroes uh, yes. in the book, we have Koken, who's our cyberpunk samurai. So he's basically like the best he's like mm -hmm. the most badass dude <laughs> in, mm -hmm. in our universe in the sense of like he could he knows all the martial arts uh all this stuff uh as far as a quick you know overview of him essentially this dude had anger issues heard of this secret society mm -hmm. in japan it was like you know uh called the uh, the koken he finds out and xyz reasons he mm -hmm. becomes the koken because the koken isn't just his name it's the title that you earn by being like their leader essentially like that so that's like how crazy he is he mm -hmm. was able to be like the dude um but uh we're actually doing an episode or we actually did an episode on him and noah on variant uh spotlight episode so people mm -hmm. could actually after listening to this if you want to hear us uh, me frank and rui our artists we go into detail about their origin and creation of both mm -hmm. those characters uh, so if you head over to uh, Variant Comics on YouTube and just type in Nowhere Koken, it'll come right up and, you know, you get to hear our, our deep dive <laughs> on the characters. Yeah. Uh, and but, and yeah. uh, one thing I'll jump in with there is too, like, clearly one of the joys of doing this book was the idea to play with archetypes. Yes. And, like, obviously, like, we didn't want to just be like, oh, this is our bad analog of the Justice League. But mm -hmm. there are very prevalent superhero archetypes. And Koken is definitely our dark vigilante archetype, like, we had a lot of fun spinning them into our own thing, but hopefully people will enjoy being able to look at like that. And, and as I said, we're not an intense deconstruction, but clearly we wanted to play off these archetypes. And Koken started from our conversation of like, okay, what would that like one man army human, like, cause I don't know if you mentioned to Eris, you, you got her, Koken is a human who just uses like tech and tools to, to be a yeah. super. I think that's a big part of who he ends up being as well. Yeah, for sure. He's the whole cyberpunk thing. So just he's a dude who like, you know, over injuries and stuff like that. He's like, oh, metal arm, metal leg. Now I got, you know, but super enhanced. And he, he takes like you know, everything he touches, he modifies. So even, uh, 
you know, uh, the stuff from uh, the, the Koken clan and stuff like that with all the classic and awesome samurai weapons. He's like, these are really cool, but mm-hmm. what would they look like with, like, future tech on them? And just makes them, like, ten times cooler, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so he's definitely, like, our vigilante, I guess, quote-unquote mm-hmm. Batman-type uh, character in the book. Uh, and like Frank said, there's, they're very prevalent, you know, types of characters you have to have. So, yeah. like, one of our next characters, he, he runs really fast. So automatically, he's our quote-unquote speedster in the book, Gold Rush. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, uh, he's really, really cool. And he's kind of like the right-hand man, I'd say, to Infinite, who's our, our big boy in the book. He's, he's our powerhouse in, in, our, in our universe, uh, where he, literally his name is Infinite because uh, he has infinite power. He draws his power from all life in the universe, sentient or not. A lot of people, when we did the announcement video, so they're like, so essentially, he's a living spirit bomb from Dragon Ball Z. And we're like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, what would that look like if we embodied like that into a person? You know what I mean? Because the geek, like Frank, we were saying earlier, it's like the fanboy can't, comes out in me and, and Frank. So it's like, well, what if we did this? What turns it on its heels? And literally, he's like a living spirit bomb. That'd be awesome. So, that, <laughs> so that's yeah, infinite. And, and, and that was, it's, uh, again, we'll be quick here. But like, uh, we really did these deep dives and it is taking that trope of the Superman type mm-hmm. archetype. And we're like, okay, first of all, how can we make it interesting? So it's not just our bad version of Superman, but secondly, like how can we push it even further and find something unique? And, and I think Eris, even hearing him speak about it now, like his enthusiasm really came through as we got to do the, the fun exercise of making our mm-hmm. own superheroes, but also making our own world, which has been very excited too. Like, yes. obviously like, we both have read comics for a long time. Mm-hmm. Our audience has read comics for a long time, but we were very happy to like grow out not only these characters, but like our own timeline, our own like yes. lore, our own events, and like really create something that we feel like we can continue writing into and, and play with and and say a lot with, but do it organically. I think mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Lemire has done a beautiful job with Black Hammer and mm-hmm. turning that into his own kind of like universe and that was something that was also just very inspiring to me, seeing how he played with those archetypes and how he kind of twisted that in, in a great way to become his own thing. And uh, it was very much one of the modern books, I think does it so well that mm-hmm. I, I think I, I think I told you to read Black Hammer when we started writing, right? Eris, yeah, I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. check that out, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, Infinite, definitely, uh, I, you see him right on our cover. The first cover is Noah standing in front of graffiti of Infinite that says, where did you go? And, and Infinite is very much our poster child of like, if you are talking about superheroes in the world of Astonishing Times, Infinite is the go-to, like, this is the best one. This yeah, he's is the, the, he's one the all, man. Yeah, yeah. The one we all look to yep. us. And then briefly going through, we have some other, you know, we yes. have Crossout, Medica, mm-hmm. some other cool characters like, uh, you know, Telepaths, a healer. And we have, we run the gamut, you know, of <laughs> hopefully bringing a lot of cool and unique characters. Because again, there's only so many power sets you can give, you know, yes. but it's always fun. What I, what I found the most fun about the book is trying to, reinvent the wheel in the sense we're like okay there's someone they could run faster that could have heal someone but how can you make that different what if we did it this way so now it feels like something new so you know and, hopefully and, hopefully we did that and one thing we'll we'll speak to a lot in like the spotlight is that our our artist ruri coleman like came in and just did beyond phenomenal design for these characters it's so hard to tell someone like hey here's a superhero make sure it looks like super iconic and lived <laughs> in and not like bad like go for it but he he brought so much i don't know just like dynam dynamism and like lived in design to these characters and like came up with so many cool little design elements and like for especially sure. for the tech driven characters like like koken and mitika like 
little and even gold rush like little things on their costumes that do special mm-hmm. things like new powers and like well, the three of us just gelled so so well together and i think just it was even more inspiring once we we really started getting everything going to be like oh my gosh like there's so much like we're just scratching the surface of this iceberg a little bit oh yeah for ruri ruri is the man and he you know he uh he did a lot of awesome stuff and you know, a lot of his drawings would inform us to be like oh well, now we got to make this character this way or that way because mm-hmm. that just looks so cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is always one of the things I love about comics because so many people are like, why don't you just write novels or things like that? I'm like, well, like I love being able to see it and, and mm-hmm. getting art in and being inspired by the art. And I've been so, so fortunate to work with so many different artists over my career so far, but in, in every single one has a little bit different way of seeing things. And, and again, Ruri has just gelled with us so, so well and I can't wait for everyone to see his work. Yep. Is there anyone else you guys on the creative team you guys want to give a shout out to? The colorists? Yeah. I'm not being sarcastic. But oh, no, no. Yeah, I, I will shout our whole team out. Uh, yes. But uh, then our colorist, Lauren Affey, who has worked with me since Five Ghosts. So I'm so glad to have her on the book as well. She's been a, another frequent collaborator in my career. And just, uh, I think her work with Ruri has really just given the book a really beautiful, unique style. Uh, our letterer, Taylor Esposito, again, someone I've been so fortunate to work with who does a great job. He came up with really cool uh, caption types and just mm-hmm. uh, font settings for the characters. And our designer, Dylan Todd, who again, has I've worked with since Five Ghosts. He did our logo treatment and book design and he just made such a beautiful logo and, and book design. And obviously we're very newspaper informed. So we have like newspaper like credit pages and things like that and he's done and, and recently he just did, uh, I mean, he's very prolific and everyone we work with is at this point, but he just also did like Department of Truth and things like that. And mm-hmm. he's a fantastic designer. I'm so, so glad. And, and again, it's, it, it, without being overly mushy, it warms my heart <laughs> to keep these same people around for a long, long time because they're, they're people like their friends as well as peers mm-hmm. and to, to be able to have their work uh, still, still with me is, is awesome. So, uh, but yeah, we, we really just, got to put together our own little dream team here for sure yeah everyone we worked with is uh is amazing so i have a question um regarding your creative team you know did you guys have to assemble the creative team um before going to um yeah before going to comiXology or did comiXology said um you have to use these people How, how did that work how did that come about do you mind if i jump on that real quick harris no yeah go for it so uh we did everything ourselves, which is great. Like we oh. we're in a very uh, great place where a lot of the books I've done, uh, specifically through Image, like you don't have editors. Like you can hire one if you want, but you put together by yourself and basically make the whole comic, then turn it into the publisher, and they'll do like like proofing and and pre press. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of that that process. Like I learned to do it painstakingly over the years as you have to do everything yourself. But uh, with Astonishing Times, we've been so, so fortunate that Comixology has been an amazing partner and really just, we turned them in the done book and are ready to go. So <laughs> we, we assembled everything ourselves and mm-hmm. it really gave it in, in this, I, I'll bring it back to you, Eris, like speaking truth, it's why it's felt like almost like our own little weird garage project because we've just been making it in our own little corner <laughs> for so long and and then be like, oh wait, but it'll be done. But uh yeah, we we were given total flexibility there, and uh, I I frankly just prefer it this way. Like I, I've worked everywhere and had 
all levels of involvement where sometimes I just turn in a script and I'll see the book when it's on the shelf, but then sometimes I'll painstakingly do every little part. And honestly, like it just goes back to that creator own mentality of like, it really feels like it's yours when you, you know, where every, uh, mm-hmm. every panel and every staple is pretty much. <laughs> No, yeah, Comics Elegy was great. Like, you know, to just put it simple, like Frank said, we got to assemble our team and then we we're like, here you go. And they were like, dope. So, you know, <laughs> they've, been, they've been great to work with and really believed in our book and our story. So, uh, you know, no complaints, all the praise in the world. Yeah. And the one thing I will say, not to get too into to, uh, behind the curtain creating comics, but typically when you do create a comic in, in the way we made Astonishing Times is you make the first five pages done, like, full color, full art, lettering, and normally a cover treatment as well. And that's what you pitch publishers with. So that's what we did here. And uh, uh, just very by the book pitch. And we uh, happened to really resonate with Comixology's uh, Comixology Originals. And we chose them and then went off and made the book. Oh, okay. So all, all my creator own stuff, that's how, and typically how I do it. Like I actually make some of the book first and you start showing people. <laughs> okay. Okay, uh, and and you know, uh, I'm. This is one of the questions I kind of sort of modified right now, but you know, um, um, because it sounded like Comicsology was in the mix of you know trying to sell Astonishing Times. Was did you guys try to bring it to other publishers? And don't mention publishers' names, but how did that process come about? Uh, at this point, like I've been so fortunate to have like work at pretty much every publisher in the US. Yes. And for me, it really becomes like, okay, well, we know we can make the book. So what will a publisher bring to the book that is worthwhile to kind of partner with them? And with them, like, I think, obviously there's a lot of uh, interest in digital these days. Like mm-hmm. it, it yes. never, I think has become obviously a predominant form and overtaken print. We love print comics mm-hmm. as well, but uh, with Comixology, I feel like we're in a really unique spot where we have a product that has a very big fan base within variant that is mm-hmm. digital by nature. But uh, so that kind of seemed really obvious to me, like, Oh, why don't we try here and, yes. and bring it out as a digital product, but also part of, part of our publishing deal, we will be bringing it to print with Dark Horse Comics eventually as well. So we mm-hmm. kind of yeah. get the best of both worlds. So yeah, we for can't sure. Complain. But, uh, but uh, and again, I've worked with Comicsology. Well, I haven't worked with them, but I, I used to work there. I know everyone there and I've been dying to kind of bring them a project as well. So when this came together, I was like, oh, this is the one, this will be a, a good fit. And uh, mm-hmm. thankfully I think it ended up being a really, really good match. As Because as I said, it, it's a unique position and I still get stuff rejected all the time. I'm not, <laughs> no one is perfect, but uh, mm-hmm. but at this point in my career, I'm able to be a little more strategic with like, oh, what fits where? And, and uh, with this project, it just really was a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Aris, do you want to add anything to that? No, I, you know, I think Frank uh, pretty much <laughs> nailed this, it. This, this was part of my, like, I think tutelage to Aris yeah, when we no, started, he... like, hey, here's every single publisher. Here's how, what they do, blah, blah, blah. And, mm-hmm. It's very like again it's very not even nerdy but very like behind the curtain like stuff that i'm always happy to talk about and in one day we'll probably do videos on a little more specifically but it is just very like logistics at a certain point right no yeah you nailed it and it's you know again like i said before i can't you know say enough how happy i am to be with comicsology because chip Mosier and you know everyone over there has yes. been 
awesome thus far. And, uh, you know, I hope to continue to work with them in the future. I'm just going to make a little comment to our listeners because, you know, I, I remember hearing about comicsology. Oh God, I don't even, I can't remember, but you know, just recently I learned that, you know, that they have like, um, like, um, like original mini series and it's not yeah and it's and it's like um and it's um well-known creators yeah, yeah which is great i mean now it's expanding yeah and, and that's that's what we're part of it's the uh, comicsology originals line and uh they've built such a great great audience or a great great lineup over there and uh you know the one that uh, Chip Zdarsky worked on afterlift actually won an eisner last year and in, in youth by uh, my friend kurt Piers is has been doing great and i think the first round actually came out in print as well they brought dark horses started printing a few of the trades as well and mm-hmm. it's just been a really really cool like new uh, not new publisher so to speak but again so it just has a really exciting shine on it still so yes. we're glad to get in here and be part of this uh not quite the first class but uh <laughs> first wave maybe but uh it is definitely and again i i cannot thank the direct market enough, like for giving me a career. I love print comics. I live and breathe collecting, but uh, Mm -hmm. here we're just so excited that we get a little bit of both worlds and and taking a chance on being like, hey, let's go digital first and and see if we can maybe bring more people into that ecosystem as well. Because I know there's been not quite a divide, but digital just never really completely caught on, I think, Mm -hmm. as a discovery tool. And it's something we're going to be talking a lot about because I think there's room for people to really discover a lot of new stuff here as well as, as in print. And as I said, I, I cannot be more thankful to the direct marketing retailers. And we, yes. we definitely have a lot coming down the line uh, that we can't talk about yet, but like ways that we're going to be really promoting the physical trade as well. And, mm-hmm. and I, I definitely don't want anyone to think they're missing out if that's the case. Like, you yeah, know, because like, think... that's, that's one of my fears when we did announce the book, I'm like, Oh, I hope people aren't like, why aren't you doing print? But it's, yeah, it's uh, something we hope to circle back around to it and, and really push with the trade as well. Because as I said, I, I, I really owe so much of quite frankly, my life to, to uh, as I'm able to live it now to the fact that it's been embraced by, my books have been embraced by the direct market and comics retail. Mm-hmm. Again, that's my second Ted talk. Sorry. Eric. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. Like going back to what, uh, you know, Jason was saying earlier. Yeah. Comicsology has got some pretty big names lately. Uh, yes. Snow, Snow angels uh, yes. with uh, Jeff Lemire and Jock, who are massive names in uh, comic books uh, that came out uh, a little while ago for Comicsology. And it, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's, you know, we're fortunate enough to like, hopefully get in you know uh ground floor in that sense where it seems to really be something that's happening more and more and you know uh, you know i'm sure we'll see bigger uh you know bigger and better names constantly uh coming to comicsology even though jeff lemire is you know how, how much bigger do you get than jeff lemire right <laughs> but uh <laughs> um yeah as far as us working with comicsology i think it was a great like almost kind of have your cake and eat it too situation in the sense yes. where like it is a digital first but we're going to be getting a physical trade paperback you know mm-hmm. through dark you know through dark horse as well so it's like it's it's that perfect world where it's like yeah you know initially for the first you know five months because it's one issue every month mm-hmm. it's going to be digital but then you know a little bit after that you'll be able to like order the physical trade on Amazon, go to your local comic book store, yes. go to Barnes and Nobles and you know, the trade will kind of, you know, live on forever. Right. Yes. So that's going to be really, really fun. 
um, I'm just going to make a comment about, you know, whether, you know, like for comicsology, I think what's great with digital comics and I'll, in, because, you know, I have Marvel Unlimited, you know, I, you know, I read, you know, whatever, you know, old stuff on there or whatever stuff that I miss within the last month or so or last year. But I think what's great with comicsology, especially with you guys is someone who lives on Lanai. Lanai is one of the smallest islands in the chain. There's no comic book store there. Mm. Let's let's put it this way. They, they, you know, if they if there was some bookstore over there that sold comics, it's always going to be the big two. And right. even the big two, it's always going to be either Spider-Man, Batman, Superman, you know, X-Men. But what's really nice is, like you said, is that you guys have you know, the best of both worlds because definitely there's got to be, there's, there is internet service on Lanai. Or let's put it somewhere, um, small town U.S. in the middle of nowhere where the comic book shop is literally you have to drive, you know, almost a day away to get to the next mm-hmm. town, or, you know, or at least someplace to for a comic shop. So, so these digital comic readers, it's so cool because now they get to read something that's coming out on a monthly basis before, you know, before the, the guys at the local comic shops can. No, you're, one, you're 100% right. That was, you know, in our announcement video, we had several people comment that like, I'm so glad it's digital because where I live, there's not a comic book shop in, you know, in sight. So it makes yes. so much sense. Cause like, you know, you could, even some of the most rural like places in the world, have some sort of internet connection these days right so it's like anyone who has access to a smartphone a tablet a computer anything of that sort you'll be able to read uh our book which is really 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 cool so i i love that and then again you know having the best of both worlds for the for the diehards who are like i will not read digital it's like all right well then just wait a few months (laughs) wait a few months and you can go pick up the trade so you know (laughs) we have something for everyone (laughs) um I'm going to start slowly wrapping things up. So um, I'm going to ask, how did you guys, um, I, I, um, I, I, I think you guys covered this, but again, how did you guys narrow it down to this awesome title, Astonishing Times? A lot, a lot of work and <laughs> <in> failure. <laughs> no, like Frank did touch on it earlier, but it was pretty much just like, you know, I would come up with something and be like, no, that's, that's, that's good for like a story arc. Or he would come up with something. I'm like, yeah, I'm not feeling that. And literally this back and forth through phone calls or text messages with, I don't know, Frank, a few months. Like, uh, like we, I don't long, think, long time. <laughs> I don't think, you know, you know, giving a little inside information here. I don't think we had the name for the book until like issue five was done or close no, to being no, done. We had a, a working <laughs> title that we right. pitched in and promoted the, or uh, got the book signed with. And, and there's, I, I, it's funny because you remember you mentioned Amazing Fantasy. I feel like when we were sitting in your office at Varian, we were looking at that Spider-Man poster and being yeah. like, what can we call the book that sounds like that? And we just nailed on like, we're like, what are cool adjectives? And I think Astonishing yes. came up and then Time seemed like an easy follow-up. And it just clicked for me because one, it's it sounds iconic. I think we got very fortunate that it, it captures that vibe. But again, it also sounds like the newspaper column. So my brain could just finally cope and be like yes that is the one and then we had to have the awkward like honeymoon period of like but do we like it is it right but right. I, I feel like once our designer dylan put it into the uh 
put it put it onto the like logo dress for us and we saw what it looked like it just felt very good so yeah it's one of those it's exactly what frank said because i have in you know we we kind of did our quote-unquote writer's workshop in uh in my office mm-hmm. uh in, in dallas and i have an astonishing an amazing fantasy uh 15 poster hanging out on my wall mm-hmm. and it was like you know i actually remember that frank going through it, and it's like <laughs> even going through like at the source right like well what's another word for amazing yeah. what's another word for, for incredible or something and it but it kind of harkens back to like that timeless thing where it's like you know the the incredible hulk the fantastic four the amazing spider-man mm-hmm. so you know astonishing times where it's it's a very timeless title name which mm-hmm. hopefully you know will never sound old or dated because it's just classic so yes. I, I i think we nailed it with that and, and again the last nerdy thing i was saying, and like thematically too it just feels very positive and forward looking yeah. and, and mm-hmm. we're so excited because like it titles are so hard i hate uh, i hate naming people in books and <laughs> and titles and i'm so thankful that we were able to to land on one that that works and, and captures so much yeah because i mean you like i said you know, like you guys said, you guys nailed the title because, you know, like I said, astonishing times. It it it's just to me when I hear it, you know, it's it's just full of positive, you know, energy. Like that's awesome. You know, you know and and I'm gonna, you know, it, it's just it just yeah, it just feels right. You know. Well, that, well, that's so I, nice I, to hear that from someone else. Yeah. For real, that means a lot. You're like, you're making our day. I'm like, we did it. We did it. <laughs> um, I'm going to start slowly wrapping things up. I'm going to, I want to ask some fun questions regarding Astonishing Times. Now, I saw in the, um, you know, like some of the preview pages that were shown in the trailer um, that um, Noah was reading uh, a comic book on a, like a subway or on a bus. Mm-hmm. Then I see on the back cover variant comics. <laughs> so how what did that come it, about? <laughs> what can it mean? Well, very early on, uh, you know, Frank and I talked about putting Easter eggs in the book, and there's something fun that we're gonna do with uh, variant logos in the book that I don't want to um, say just yet. But uh, yeah, we definitely purposely put Easter eggs, like the variant logo, in the book that. Uh, keen uh, variant nation fans will have to spot later on and maybe some maybe some other things that we put in there <laughs> and, and i think beyond that too i, I think in errors correct me if i'm wrong but like i feel like we like the idea like obviously homaging the quite literal real variant but the idea that like the the premier comic book publisher in this like fictional world is variant as yes. again there's that cool logo and uh so like brand so so we were able to have a little bit of like meta fun with that as well yeah that was really cool so yeah that was one of our early conversations so like you know it's variant variant comics in this our astonishing times universe is like you know the marvel or dc of that Mm -hmm. universe you made it you made it yeah yeah i did it (laughs) noah's reading variant comics (laughs) (laughs) all right um when you guys um develop these characters like Gold Rush, Cross Out. Now, this question is for both of you guys. When you guys were having your, your you know, writers meeting and so forth, did you guys pull up any of your characters from childhood that you guys would, like like Frank, you said you had always been writing. What, and Aris, I'm sure when you're playing with uh, action figures, you'd be like, oh man, if I, you know, if I could have someone else besides the Flash, I would call him this and they could do this. So did you guys have 
bring some of those like childhood memories of um, your creator-owned heroes to this story. Eris, can I jump in first to quickly bury myself here? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I told Eris when we started doing a superhero book, I'm like, listen, man, I, I can't make up superheroes. I'm so tired. I don't know if I have any I really care about. I'll, I'm all for like the archetypes and figuring it out, but I need <laughs> you to, to, to carry the weight here. And, and I really like turned to Eris to think of a lot of the, the conceptual like ideas and backstories here so Eris why don't you tell us because Frankie Frank was like I'll, I'll deconstruct them once we have them out but what are we gonna do for sure like there wasn't so like there wasn't something that I specifically like I you know you hear Todd McFarlane say like he drew Spawn in like middle school and stuff like that and he always had that character so there wasn't something like specifically like that but definitely like there was the idea of always like okay, if I could do Batman, make my version of Batman, what would he be? And that's kind of, you know, falls into like that dark vigilante vibe of Koken. So in a lot of ways, like Koken is basically everything that I would want to modify or do Uh to Batman. And then me and Frank, you know, work together and flush flush it out even more. Uh, And then even like, I'm a big fan. I know a lot, it's kind of debated in the world of comic books uh, where like people don't like, overpowered characters like a lot of people get superman crap because it's like he's so overpowered he's boring but like i'm all about that like i i, lo- I think that makes the character more interesting in this in the sense where it's like okay superman is this all-powerful like god right mm-hmm. so nothing can beat him so it forces the writers and creators to like work their way out of that mess it's like if nothing could beat yes. him now you have to like think of a clever situation to where he's in a predicament right mm-hmm. so uh uh, with that said, uh, creating our version of Superman Infinite was another really fun one. So definitely Koken and Infinite were inspired. We're like, okay, if I could do Batman and Superman, mm-hmm. what would I do? <laughs> and then, you know, me and Frank came up uh, with stuff together. And I was like, dude, going back to the whole spirit bomb thing. I'm like, well, I'm just going to make Infinite, you know, uh, like a Superman Goku mashup. <laughs> and then me coming in and waving my finger and be like, we can't do just that, blah, blah, blah. And then lots of talk. But uh, no, no, it, it is really the fun of it. And, and you know, I don't mean to paint myself as so so negative, but it, it is a real fear for me. As I said, I didn't want to do a book that just felt like our own bad version of these characters. Right. It was very important that we came up with characters we were excited about, but then really just did the like huge deep dive over that time of talking about like, well, what do they mean? What do they say yeah. about X, Y, Z? And, and again, we, we don't want a book that's overly thinky, but I think if yes. you're looking for the layers there, you can slowly peel it back. And, and Lord knows you can always listen to us talk about it as well as we'll have a lot of, a lot of content talk about where these characters came from, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, it's not one of those things where like, it was like, I'm literally gonna just do like Superman, but his name is this name. No, no, it's just like, as far as it's one of those things where it's like, if you make a character who could fly has super strength and lasers out of his eyes, people are automatically going to compare him to like this other big character, right? So it's like one of those things. But like, I think, you know, at, at face value, just being like, he's, he's the most powerful character in the universe, people might assume that. But I think once you read our book and stuff like that, he's completely different than, you know, uh, Superman, I guess, you know what I mean? Which obviously people are naturally going to want to compare him to. But I also think it's really fun in the sense to where like, we want to be in that conversation where it's like, everyone likes to argue like, who could win, Superman or Goku? Who would win, like uh, Omni-Man or Superman? Where it's like, I want to throw Infinite into that mix was like, well, who would win, Infinite or Superman? You know what I mean? So, um. Let's see. Um, 
and then this question is for both of you guys. You know, um, I'm going to say, I, because um, Aris, I know that you said, um, I think in one of your um, variant um, YouTube episodes that, you know, that you guys are going to be making episodes. And I think, Frank, you already touched upon it already, that you guys are going to go over the process of how to make a comic, you know. Um, and you guys are showing the examples of, you know, with Astonishing Times. Um, I'm going to ask, like, how did this come about and why? Why, why did you want to um, do this, like, uh, do it yourself, or how does comic books are created? How did how did that come about, basically? Well, we basically wanted to, you know, we basically want to be as trans as transparent as possible, especially mm -hmm. with uh, our our variant audience, our, our variant nation, as we call them, uh, just because, like, you know, obviously this is our book, right? But like, in a lot of ways, it's the audience's book, the variant nation's book as well, because this wouldn't have happened uh, without them. So we just wanted to, you know show them like what went into making a comic book mm -hmm. if anyone wanted to do it. So I don't think Frank kind of touched on it earlier where there, there's stuff out there we could find like how to write comic books, how to draw comic books, yeah. but I don't think in the way that we're going to do it in the sense of like literally follow us step by step of like how we did it. Like we're full transparency is like, you know, giving the real world origins, you know, like even in our spotlight uh, episodes where we tell you like, Oh, this is the fictional origin of Coke and like, and then the universe, but also like, why did we come up with this character? What, why did this type of character need to be in our book? What mm -hmm. goes into that? And I don't think there's, you know, a lot of stuff like that. Again, I'm sure you could find it, but not in the way we're doing it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially with the variance platform, like we have a direct comic book audience, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, literally this is like, it's like selling, uh, you know, bananas to people who love bananas, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? In a sense where it's like, why would, you know, these are comic book fans. Why would they, even if they don't want to write comics, why would you, wouldn't you be interested in like yeah. seeing the process, you know? Yes. So mm -hmm. we're going to be doing, you know, deep dives like that uh, throughout, you know, the five, six months uh, of, as these issues release. And it's going to be really, really cool and interesting uh, to explain like why we did this, you know, Frank, mm -hmm. you know, giving the theory of like, this is like all the, all the structure you have to hit. And then I, I also think it's really cool because we get all the perspectives, right? Cause yes. like, I'm like the noob, right? Where like, this is my first experience. So I can give like that outsider's, you know, first impression. Frank's done this several times. He could mm -hmm. give like the veteran impression of like how this is done. And then our amazing artist, Ruri, who's also a veteran, but he can give the artist, uh, you know, side of it. So I think we hit like everything. And then even like uh, Lauren Affey too, our, our colorist, like we're going to literally run the gamut where I don't think it's been done like that, where like you go yeah. from your writers, mm -hmm. me and Frank can even talk about how we co-write because that a lot, a lot of people have that question too because they're like well you know writing and stuff but how do you co-write like that's weird like people don't know like the inner workings of that so explain that uh, artist coloring and even maybe like lettering and stuff like you know the sky's the limit so we're gonna you know try our best to be as transparent as possible sorry saw my size on my one sorry okay yeah, and, and it is, it's one of the things that really excited me about this opportunity when Ares first came to me. As he said, uh, his uh, brother-in-law, Ryan, runs Film Riot, and one of Film Riot's big components is showing a lot about practical filmmaking and being like, oh, this is how you actually like make certain effects or do certain things. And I think YouTube in general has been a really amazing resource, like without being too grandiose, like for humanity. Like I can be like, how do I fix my sink? And I can see a video of 20 different people fixing their sink. And uh, for me, that was exciting. Cause again, I, I, I still teach when I can. And, and I, I'm very passionate about 
giving people the tools to write because I, I think writing is is really miscategorized as like some just like special blessed skill you have to have like when mm -hmm. there are practical resources and tools you can use to tell your own stories which I think is so important and it's just something I'm really passionate and excited about and, mm -hmm. and having the platform to do it as well as our own like like hopefully good example like look we made our book we think it works and, and hopefully you enjoy it and like mm -hmm. like we have nothing to hide here's exactly how we did it because if you have an idea you're passionate about you can you can do it too and that sounds so like uh, on a home gardening channel show about it but mm -hmm. uh it is just something that i think is information that i'm so glad to get out there and get out there in like uh, a, a frankly like free platform and just Mm -hmm. spread the good word in a, a way of like, Hey, like this is, this is not as inaccessible as you think. And, and here's like a really nice resource. And, and also like Eric said, hopefully a little bit of the human interest story too. Of like, Oh, like, well, this is how we did it. And at the end of the day, like really just a way to embrace that community that I normally don't have where it's like, Oh, like normally this is a very quiet, secretive, like in my house alone process, mm -hmm. but we're so glad to, to be transparent and bring people into it because we we think it's something that is at its core just like fun and exciting beyond hopefully educational and and maybe we'll lead some people to make their own books which would be just oh, be beyond touching of like yeah. oh, look, let us <laughs> let us pay it forward a little bit <laughs> because i was gonna say um just listening to you guys you know frank and Eris, just listening to you guys talk about how you guys came up with Astonishing Times is great because it's basically, it's almost going, it's basically back in grade school. Hey, let's make our own comics. You know, um, Aris, you, you know, you have your ideas, Frank, you know, you, um, you, um, you know, you, you've, you know, you've seen how the comics books industry work and it, it, it it's a perfect balance. Because, you know, Frank, like, you know, because, because again, you guys had this, you know, like, Aris, you, again, you had this great passion to write comics. You reignited Frank's passion for comics again, because Frank, you still had that passion for it. What's really nice is that also too, Frank, was you, like you said, and I love the word, strategically knew where to go, you know, um, to, you know, how to get this comic made. And what's really great too, I, I really like it, is that you guys are also going to show here, this is how this is what we went through. We're going to show this to you guys. Mm -hmm. Because I'm going to say prop I'm I I don't I'm gonna hopefully this happens, but who knows, five years from now, ten years from now, at a Frank at a convention or uh Aris probably want, you know, um you know when you're you know you still you know you're still doing your YouTube channel, you guys are gonna hear a fan goal. I made this comment, you know, I made this comic, you know, it's being published by Comixology or a publisher. It's all because of you guys, because I saw how you guys did this. Oh, would, would truly that would be, be the best. Yeah. The, the, the last thing I will say on that is truly like it is an idea of paying it forward because like when I, because I, I started trying to figure out how to get into comics probably around like 2004 mm -hmm. and I had no clue. And I was just like, I guess you have to work for Marvel, right? And I like wrote like letters of inquiry to like Marvel and DC mm -hmm. that probably were immediately thrown in the garbage. Like I just had no clue. And and there was just so little resources. And, and thankfully, like, again, I, I started going to conventions and 
just walked up to people who were so kind to like talk to me about it. And actually like I would hand them my like bat samples and they would actually look at them and, and give me feedback. And that honestly meant the world to me. And, and honestly, like some of those people I ended up eventually co-writing with at Marvel or DC. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if they remembered. I was like, man, when I was like 18, I handed you a bad pitch at a convention and you were mm-hmm. nice enough to talk to me. And now here we are. And, and, and truly, like I said, I, I think that speaks to the, the fact that the medium still is so accessible and yes. and that is I, I know so many other pros who have that story but also like I'm very cognizant of the fact like not everyone wants to go to a convention and talk to people face to face and I don't want people to think like oh well because I'm not a huge like social networking person like mm-hmm. not social networking but a social comma networking type person I can't get in I nothing would make me happier than to give introverted people who want to stay home their own tools and feel just as accessible because while I do love that comics again there are cons you can go to them I don't want anyone to feel left out because as I said comics is is so wide open now with with web web comics digital publishing I I just want to give people the tools they need Mm -hmm. as as an educator like there's my still still can't kick that out of me of like oh look, I, I want to to provide and as I said and, and just so thankful for the people who have been kind enough to me and and taken their time, uh, blah blah blah. I could go on that forever, but truly, like I said, I, I'm so glad it can be part of this book as well. Mm-hmm. Aris, do you want to add anything to that? Dude, I mean, going off that, if that if I ever heard that one day, that would be like <laughs> one of the greatest honors ever, man. Just to 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 know that you inspired someone to do their dream. I mean, like, there's few things that are better than that, right? That's just, that's one of the most humbling things. So now, uh, now I hope that happens one day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to say, I'm, you know, I'm going to say, I hope it, I I hope, you know, um, and I'm not trying to be sarcastic or condescending or anything, but I really hope that does, that someone that a comic book fan right now, you, you know, you know, in their teens and so forth, they do come up to you years from now to say that, say thank you, you know. Yeah, that no, that that'd be humbling because it's 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 funny too because like as far as like from where you know I started as far because yes. again like it's just weird because it's like I loved comic books and I was always a fan, but and I always wanted to do it, but it was, it was one of those things where it's like, you hear people say it, it was almost kind of like right place, right time thing where mm-hmm. like, I was just fortunate enough for like things that pan out the way they did. Yeah. So like, if I could, you know, be any type of spark for someone else to mm-hmm. lead them down that path that eventually for X, Y reasons leads them into comic book success. I mean, again, that's, that's amazing. I think that would be another full circle moment right there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so I know we talked a lot about it, but I'm I, I'm just gonna ask this one last question um, before I start going to the fun questions. Any last words about Astonishing Times? Um, it comes out July 27th. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can pre-order it now on Comicsology.com, and then it'll download overnight and be available on your computer, tablet, or smartphone in the morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's gonna be a monthly book. Uh, you know. We, we basically, you know, Frank kind of said it earlier that this is kind of our love letter to, super, to the superhero genre. So every, everything that, you know, we love, Rory loves, like everyone who had a hand in making this book with us uh, loves is, is in there, right? And, uh, and I hope that if your taste aligns with ours, uh, mm-hmm. I think you'll really, really dig this book. And, you know, it's, it's, 
it's a traditional superhero book, but not. I think I think we brought a lot. Hopefully, I think we brought a lot of new elements and things to it that'll definitely make it, you know, feel like something new and fresh. As a, you know, it's. I will. The last thing I will say is the book. Even if you watch the teaser trail and everything, it's not what it seems it is. I'll leave. I'll leave it with that. It's not. It's not what it seems. <laughs> okay. I will laugh that I already see some people be like, oh, this is just going to be X, Y, or Z, but I, I echo Eris. Like, no, no, no. Like, there are genre elements in here, but we are very aware and, and really wanted to, beyond all the, like, highfalutin stuff that I, I will say, and it, we really want to create a good story that people can can really love. So we hope you'll give it a shot. Okay. All right. So I'm going to ask two fun questions, and then I'm going to start closing up. All right. Uh, we already talked about this at the um, before we started the interview, but I'm going to ask this question again. Have you guys been to Hawaii? Have not. It's a dream of mine. I think uh, if I surprised my wife and went to Hawaii, I would be the number one husband in the world to her. So <laughs> I, it's definitely going to happen one day, uh, you know, hopefully soon here because, man, it's beautiful out there. Uh, the people seem incredibly nice. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to do it. I want to go. Very bad. <laughs> Same boat. Have not been, but very much want to do it. Is I, I'm not much of a traveler minus like a few locations, one of which was Japan, which I managed to get to a few years back. And now Hawaii is one of the only other tropical like places I'm interested in because it just looks so dang pretty. Mm-hmm. And now we know you, Jason. So you know exactly. Yeah. We'll so have to now, visit. We'll now have we have visit. a friend there. Look, yeah. I'm knocking on your front door. Hey, you got an extra bed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, let's see. Do you guys want to give a shout out to any of your LCSs? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give one. I got uh, Keith Comics here in uh, Garland, Texas. That's my local comic book shop. Uh, it's, it's actually, it's funny. It's like 25 minutes from me, but you know, that's my local shop. Because again, comic shops aren't as uh, commonplace as they were in the 90s. Mm -hmm. But we have a few down here. So uh, Keith Comics, which is actually a chain. There's one in Gar Garland, Firewheel, uh, Texas. I love that one. And then also, um, uh, what is it? More Fun Comics and Games, which is uh, another one out here. Pretty big shop. Mm -hmm. So if you guys are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and you're looking for a comic book shop, those would be my two recommends. I, I have so, so... I've... Uh... There are so, so many, and I know I'm going to say a few, and I'm going to feel That's awful because there's going to be like 10 others. Local, uh, I'm actually in Austin now. There's Austin Comics and Books who are fantastic. And then also Dragon's Lair, which is a gaming shop, but also has an amazingly well-curated comic section. Mm -hmm. uh, but then also just have to shout out, my friend runs a shop called Superscript Comics and Games in Ohio, in the uh, Cleveland area. Fantastic store run by great people. Then in a... Uh, Annapolis, Maryland, and a few other places, there's Third Eye Comics, who have just been beyond a supporter of my career. Like, honestly, like, I feel like if everyone, like, if every state had a Third Eye in it, everyone would read comics. Mm -hmm. And as I said, I, I am so, so passionate about supporting comics retail as, as they are the lifeblood of kind of everything we do. No one would actually read the books for the most part if they mm. weren't out there. So... Definitely, if you follow me on Twitter or anything like that, I will always be retweeting comic shops and, and where to find them and, and cool ones as there are so many people out there who are opening shops. And, uh, and like I said, uh, New World Manga in Livingston, New Jersey was my local comic shop for a long, long time and still in business, still doing great. And if you're in New Jersey, check them out. And that's pretty impressive that because we're looking what almost what 
30 years? That comes yeah, they, yeah, they've been there a long time now. Yeah, it, it it's, makes me feel old thinking that, but uh, <laughs> it is, uh, yeah, probably at least 20 at this point. Okay. Yeah, so. That's great. No, thank you very much. So Frank and Aris, I wish you guys all the success for this series. You know, just, and, you know, and Mahalo, just, you know, thank you guys for your time. You know, thank you, man. Thank you for yeah, taking your time you so out much. to do yeah. this for us. Yeah, it, We greatly appreciate it. And again, getting the word out organically is how we like to do it. And, and thank you. If I can adopt and say mahalo to you as well. because I Yes, mahalo. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. But like I said, Frank and Aris, like I said, what's the cool thing about this, just talking to you guys, is just to hear your passion about comics, to celebrate comics. You know, that that's the cool thing, you know, that's the cool thing, you know, I love about this interview. You know, so again, thank you very much, guys. Thank you for your time. And, you know, again, thank you for giving me the opportunity to interview you guys. Thank you very much. No, no, thank you so much. It, it's the, the, again, so it reminds me why I love doing this. So thank you. No, thank yes, you. Yes, thank you so much. Now, if you are a new listener or a new reader to comics, or a lifelong comics, you know, comic book fan, you know, please check out Astonishing Times number one. As Aris has mentioned, it comes out digitally on July 27th, July 27th on Comixology. The first issue is $2.99 for a 34-page comic book, and that's very rare nowadays. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, so if you guys get a chance, you know, please check that out. Um, I want to give a big mahalo to Pam for setting up this interview. Pamela, thank you very much. You know, um, and I wanna thank Drew, the co-host for Comics for Fun and Profit for putting this episode together, you know, and for all your, Drew, thank you for all your hard work behind the scenes, you know. And if you are a new listener to um, Comics for Fun and Profit, please check out new episodes of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast that comes out every Saturday. Um, and. You know, I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys, aloha. 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 <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, man.